Welcome to Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography, a podcast all about the things that we love about photography. This is Focus on Rotation, where I have different hosts joining me at the desk as we share and learn each week. Come and enjoy this week's episode with us. Welcome to this edition of Photo Mission Focus, Discussing Photography. In the studio with me today is photographer Darren Jew. Darren, how are you? I'm great again today. Thank you, Steve. Darren, today I wanted to get an understanding around the processed images and the edited images within the Click Awards. So there's two streams of, and they're both different. For sure. So we've got six categories in the Click Awards. Three of those are processed only categories and three of them edit what we're calling edited categories yes so the processed only categories will celebrate a moment captured by a camera with minimal processing and if you think about that minimal processing being basically what you can do in the raw converter yes and the um, edited stream or the, the categories that are the edited categories will be any post-processing that you want to do beyond uh, those basic controls. Yeah. So, so what, what we're talking about with a, with the process one is that's the process of you taking the images from the camera, whether it be you take the card out and you put it in a card reader or you plug it directly in the computer or your wild transfer, whatever method that the image comes across onto your computer as a file. It could be a raw file if you shoot raw. Um, it could be a JPEG if you shoot JPEG. Then it's what happens... At that point, what you do to it, that's where the lines are drawn as far as what you can and can't do. Yeah, for sure. So we've got a, um, like we've codified a list of the, the sorts of controls or adjustments you can make on the processed only stream. And they're things like exposure changes, global color and saturation changes. You can change things to black and white, that's no problem. Yep. You can crop an image. You can do some burning and dodging, so localized um, tonal and color adjustments. Yeah, because yeah. uh, some photographers will actually shoot a little bit underexposed to kind of protect the the highlights, and then they recover a bit light in the darkened areas to recover some of the detail from the shadows. For sure, and you know, part of the you know an important part of the photographic process is visualization. So you might be looking at a a scene and imagining it as a finished product being quite light and airy but you know when you capture it you still want to maintain all the detail that you can so it may maybe be a little bit underexposed when you capture it but then you can lighten it in post that's no problem in that that would fit into the process stream no problem at all yep and it doesn't matter how people process it. if someone say wants to shoot a high key image and they shoot it so basically they're blowing out the highlights to a large degree and they do that, that's perfectly fine as well. So, because it was captured as captured by the camera. Sure. With the exposure settings that you'd dialed into the camera at the time. Yeah. So, yeah, the idea is that the, an image that's in the processed only stream will be, you know, celebrating that captured moment. Yep. So, whatever, whatever that shutter speed was, that was what was happening in front of the camera for that period of time, basically. Yeah. Whether it was one one thousandth of a second or five minutes like doesn't a, like, really matter like a long as, exposure as long as as long as it's just that single capture yep because it's interesting because sometimes i mean photographers use whatever whatever tools are at their disposal i mean i shot sunday night in brisbane city uh, 
there was a beautiful red on the bridge, Victoria Bridge, and it was really beautiful the way it was flowing onto the water. And I just knew that if I could flatten that water out, the colours would just be magic. So it ended up about a 25-second exposure. Mm-hmm. But it was it was basically that one capture. Yeah, yeah, sure. So yeah, so celebrating the the control of the image you have in the camera. Yes, yeah, as, as well as some simple controls in processing. Yep, and we've included cropping in in that processed only as a, an allowable adjustment in in processed only because I think a lot of people confuse the the use of cropping. So yes, you can you can compose your picture within a frame and with most of our DSLRs and mirrorless cameras that's a two to three proportion rectangle but you can't forget that the shape of an image really determines the sort of communication that that comes from that image you know a a square image is usually something that's been created a a kind of an iconic uh, shape that tells one story whereas a panorama is like a window on the world. Yes. And yep. so it just the shape itself can conveys quite a an important aspect of the picture and we shouldn't be limiting the shape of an image just because somebody decided that a a DSLR has a 2 is to 3 rectangle sensor. Yep. I know I know this question will come up in at some point. So a lot of cameras these days Canon cameras in particular have some functions on there like HDR, in-camera double exposure. Where do, where do they fit? Uh, well, we've we've had to draw the line in terms of. I mean, they're yes. they're, they're multiple multiple frames, but you're talking. Yeah, so it really has to be a single frame. single frame. So we've drawn yeah, so we've drawn the line uh, for the processed only uh, section at single capture, and we know that that's going to affect some people who maybe shoot. Um, in-camera double exposures, uh, or like to do HDR or stitches yep. um, in post. So any HDR and and stitches will have to go into the edited stream. Yes. Maybe in the future we will have the ability to have a particular section just for that type of work. But for now, because it's not one moment in time, it becomes. It's actually two moments. It, it becomes multiple. Yes. You know, a stitch could be thirty moments. Yes. Um, and so that that has to end up in the edited stream. Stream. And just for like people who are listening out there who may not be kind of too familiar, they might be fairly new to photography and they've seen HDR but haven't really fully looked into what it is. Typically, HDR is typically three exposures typically that are taken slightly different exposure values and then they're mixed together to form one new image but it's actually started life as three three frames yeah so one of those exposures will be for the shadows yep. one for the midtones one for the highlights and then they all get combined Fine. so you're getting the... and, and you're picking the best of the best of everything to increase the the dynamic range within the picture and similarly the the dual like the uh, in camera double exposure type thing is literally you're taking two images but you're actually putting them into the same file, but it's still two images, so that would that would really need to sit over into the uh, edited image because you can get quite creative doing in-camera double you know double exposure. Yeah, I think in-camera double exposure is uh, one of those ones that's going to be a it's a bit of an outlier, 
there, there might be some entries like that, but there's not going to be enough entries for it to warrant having its own, own, its own special own little special place, place yeah. at this stage. Yeah. But that shouldn't discourage you from entering, though, a double exposure. Just enter it in the edited stream yeah. and you'll still get the image will still be reviewed in the same way. You'll still get the score in the report card back to to reflect the the all the aspects of that final picture. Yep, and it probably should be important to note that regardless of whether you're in the process stream or the edited stream, the judging process is is the same. Like it's you know judges don't go, oh, this is this is a processed image, so I'm gonna actually judge this differently it doesn't work like that does it no it, it's it's whatever that final image uh it the it's it's scored on its merits yes. so um the, the degree of difficulty doesn't get included um any of that it's it's purely uh those six judging criteria uh, are applied to to every picture and so for the people who then are shooting and they're entering the images in the edited. So this is where they can do things like composite images. They can um, remove elements, add elements, you know, heal something that, you know, like remove it because there's a, you know, there was a, a leaf there or something and it detracts and they want to just remove it. They can do that. and it, But there's no kind of, like it's, it's there's no differentiation. Oh, but I only just removed a leaf. So, you know, where does that put me? Yeah, there's a line. So we've allowed what we've called minor cleaning up yep. within the process stream, which will be sensor dust. But you can't do anything that changes the authenticity. Well, of, the leaf of was the, there at the time you took the picture. Yeah. The leaf was there. So it should stay there. Yeah. So People should also remember there's other ways of making that leaf less distracting. Yes. If it's a light-turned leaf sitting on a dark ground, you could always locally darken that leaf yep so it's still there but it's just not as prominent it's not as prominent yeah and that's a technique that i sometimes use sometimes when i'm shooting something that there's areas of the picture that i want to play down to get the exposure correct for the other elements in the picture i then go in and i do you know the dodging and burning type thing where i go in and i yeah make localized parts darker than but but don't remove if you were to drill back into it, all the details are still there. Yeah, for sure. That, just... That's a legitimate way of, of working for sure because it's really important to use tone as part of the storytelling process and, you know, the lighter parts of the picture are always going to attract the eye first. Yes. So that's really where, you know, if, you're, if that's where you want the subject, to the viewer to look, you need to make sure that, you know, the, those most important areas in the picture are the lighter, lighter ones. Yep. And I think the, the the idea too that that can actually could help you in the judging criteria by if you then using that technique to emphasise to get someone to go to a particular part of the image first, that could make the image stronger. So using that technique and applying it in a in a I suppose a good way, like it's it, it can't be kind of has had it, but you've done it really well, executed it really well. That could set you obviously apart from someone else as well. For sure. Storytelling is one of the criteria and, and if you've used tone, um, like changes in tone within the f f image to help you tell the story, well, that's going to get you scoring higher than if you didn't. Yes. So people can really shoot, and the other thing which will probably will come up that people will talk about, really 
At this stage, there's no limitation on what type of camera we've shot on a mirrorless or DSLR. Where does someone sit if they were to shooting film and they were scanning it? Is there, is there a possibility that someone could shoot film or transparencies or something? For sure. There's no no reason why you couldn't shoot a, a slide or a negative and then scan it and and then what you did with it from that scan point on yes. is the same as what is if you, if is you, if you, if you were it. shooting a digital file. So yep. it's either going to end up in processed only if you're doing minimal changes yep. and edited if you, if you go to town on it. So it does actually allow people say, you know, they want to dust off their medium format. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Plate camera or something, go out there and shoot something a little bit unique. Yeah. And then enter, enter that in. That would be, be cool to see something different. And look, the we you know, we've said before about people can actually enter photos in both both categories. So they can basically put three photos in that are edited and three photos in that are that processed to kind of show off their photography skills. Yeah. Um, because it's like I said, it's it's to celebrate photography and their skill and all that type of stuff. Yeah, for sure. So there's no limit. Uh, the set a cap as uh, that entrance can enter up to six images so that can be six in one category yep or one in each of six categories yeah so if you if you're if you're a very diverse photographer that shoots lots of different things and you kind of don't kind of niche down into one area you can actually you know put a photo in all those different categories for sure no problem at all or or the same if you are a niche down photographer and say you're your speciality is you're shooting, you shoot portraits. You could enter six different portraits of six different people. Yeah, and, and they could be six into the processed only stream. Or you could end up with, you know, three in the processed only people category or uh, and and three edited people in the in the edited stream. Yeah. Because it's a really it's it's really about celebrating photographers about and and Whatever processes they do or whatever way they shoot, it's about like being inclusive of all those different styles, all those different, I suppose, mindsets that people have around photography. So being inclusive but also, I guess, making the point that they are very different things and they can't really be judged against each other or com- they can't be compared to each other. So, Well, know- there is a part of the competition which there's an ethical framework around. And that's shooting nature photography. So you know, if I take a picture of a of a uh, rhinoceros somewhere, and it's not, you know, it's in a zoo, that's really different to one that's in the wilds and the plains of Africa. Yeah. So in the terms and conditions, you'll you'll find our ethical framework around the nature and wildlife category. Um, you can just uh, read through that and see. You'll find that what we're after there is pictures of of wildlife in natural settings that haven't been affected by the feeding human interference yep um and uh so we need you you need to sign off really that 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 anything in the nature and wildlife category does fit in within that shooting framework yes uh if you've got a picture of the rhinoceros um taken at the zoo and you want to put it on a well, if you wanted to just use the the zoo picture as it is, yep. it, it would go in in the plants and animals category. Yes, um, but there's no reason why you couldn't sort of cut it out and put it on an African savanna and 
and included in there as well. Yes, but but again, it's kind of important. And I suppose the point here um, is, you know, as photographers, we do need to have a certain level of responsibility with images and particularly around uh, wildlife that people don't go out and baiting the bird with a fish. Um, so the birds come down, grab this fish, and they've got this picture of the bird flying away, but it's not actually, not really quite how it happened. No. So I think it's important for people to understand uh, the difference between what some wildlife photos and what is wildlife. And I did see someone the other day said, you know, wildlife photos really should not ever contain any man-made structures, which is, I, I think it's, you know, it's, it's a, you know, if you've got a picture of a kookaburra sitting on a, on a um, telegraph pole. I think a kookaburra sitting on a tree branch is probably... Yeah, the, uh, uh, in our category descriptions, the kookaburra on the telegraph pole would be in the plants and animals. Uh, the one on the branch could go in the um, wildlife category. Yeah, and it's important because it's kind of recognising, I suppose, uh, respect for nature. You want to try and deliver the best possible type of experience for people so we don't want to deceive people by thinking this image is a taken this this amazing picture of this eagle doing this but it's actually it's a trained bird it's not really not the it's really not nature not nature yeah it's really it's really an, an animal a domesticated animal yep. that's um been in a very controlled situation and that's a legitimate picture still um but it just can't go in the nature category that's right so it's people try and you know Again, that's why the, I suppose the ethical framework is there to just remind people that, you know, you can do that and there's no problem whatsoever, um, but don't try and pass it off as a wildlife photo when it really might not be. Yeah, so I think it's, it's good. So pretty much most people will be able to read the terms and conditions and they should really get a good understanding of what's allowed and what's not allowed in the process side of it much easier for them on the edited side because there's really yeah it's it's open to um to any interpretation that you want the limitations in the process stream once we get to the finalists will be we have through the terms and conditions we have the ability to to see the original capture the raw file so that we can just verify that um everybody's sort of stayed within the rules but we'll you know that that'll ensure that we've we've got winners that are that are worth, worth, worthy and, and, and played fairly and and fit into the the, the idea ideals of the competition i know there's been other awards where there's been controversy over a picture that's won a prize and someone's really drilled into it and go well this is actually not this is not a picture this, yeah this is this we'd is. like to think that people are going to be working in the spirit of things but as soon as competition comes into play there's potential for uh, people to push the boundaries we're not entering f- people aren't entering for s- cattle stations no, in no. this this um these awards the m- most important thing that people are going to get out of these awards are the report cards with their their scores against each of the the judging criteria and that'll be uh, you know that's so valuable um it's worth the price of entry well, for it sure and it is and look it's really the way i think about it is you're actually investing in yourself as a photographer by entering and by able to put your work forward and get a score back based on what you've submitted, that to me is worth. I mean, that's better than winning any any prize. But I mean, if you win a prize, that's that's cream on top. It's a bonus. <laughs> but I mean, for a lot of people, that's not going to be the motivation. But even to get into, 
even to get into the shortlisted is going to be quite a, a good feather in your cap if you're a photographer, I imagine. For sure, yeah. So we'll be announcing a sh- um, the shortlist, then finalists, and then a winner in each category in each of two classes. So remembering there'll be a novice winner in each category yes. and an experienced winner in each category That's right. So, well. so we've tried to make it as many different fit as many photographers in as fairly as possible and try and, I suppose, remove um, any barriers for people who say, oh, I don't want to enter because I'm, I've only been shooting for, for two years, so I'm not that really that skilled. Yes, you can enter, but you're only competing against people who have been shooting for two years, which makes it, like I said, gives you a bit of comfort in knowing that the it's a level, well, as level as you can make a playing field. I mean, there's always... Going to be exceptions to the yep. rule, but I mean, it's. Um, There's always people that pick up the camera and are super talented from day oh, one. The, don't you hate that person who picks up the tennis <laughs> racket or the golf club and just has has a perfect swing from? Oh, how long have you been playing golf for? Oh, it's the first time I've tried it. <laughs> um, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard that story a few times. And look, occasionally you do see people pick a camera up for the first time, and the, and they take it to a conductor water. They really are have a great eye for photography. For sure. We do see that, but I mean, for a lot of photographers, it's a, you know, they're they're an overnight success that's taken twenty years. Yeah, <laughs> there's yeah. a lot of work, for blood, sure. sweat, and tears gone into yeah. it. So, so just recapping. So the two streams are going to be one is going to be processed, where basically it's just what the camera saw at the time, very minimal changes to the image, just some you know what we'd expect, and you know, lightning, darkening, that type of stuff. And then the edited image. Basically, people can do what they feel will um, enhance the, the photo if they've, they've got ideas that this will this is make it look better. Yeah, do whatever they need to do to get the story across that they they're wanting to get across. And and sometimes as, as that that's our tool as a photographer now that we've been granted another tool. Sometimes, being in reading history where there's things that have happened, um, I think you were talking earlier about. Um, some pictures that were taken during World War One. Yeah, for sure. So uh, Frank Hurley, a really um, significant early Australian photographer who photographed all around Australia, all around the world, uh, including Antarctica. You might know his work from the Shackleton expedition where the, he used flash powder to light up their ship as it was sinking in the ice. Yep. Uh, Hurley... Um, was shooting glass plates, uh, lots of single capture images. When he went to um, Europe uh, during World War One, he decided that he couldn't capture all of the chaos in, in just one frame. So he, he started d- creating composites in the darkroom where he'd put, he'd actually set up people on the battlefield. He would photograph an explosion going off. He'd photograph separately uh, some some biplanes coming over, and then he would combine them all in the darkroom to create these montage composite images, which created a bit of controversy at the time as they weren't seen as truthful yes. because they weren't just a single capture. Yep. The thing is that they're the most amazing images of World War One, which you could look at and go, that must be what the chaos of the battlefield looks what? like. So it it's not that Photoshop has brought us well. What Photoshop has brought us is an easier way to do these sort of things and a, and a more seamless way of doing them. Yep. But the idea that a composite is something new and illegitimate is not not really the case. You know, um, 
the most famous portrait of Abraham Lincoln is Lincoln's head on another um, congressman's body. Yes. Because the other congressman looked more stately. Yes. Uh, and so, yeah, this is all not new, but it, it just needs to be seen for what it is and celebrated for the skill that it's been has been applied to create these beautiful images that are yeah. uh, that are composites. They're just not a single captured moment. No, and look, I think the you know I'm thinking back to looking at some books of describing some of the battles in World War One, World War Two, and, and quite often they were illustrations. So in that illustration, you'd have you know there'd be a guy in the trenches who's wounded and his mates comforting him, and there's a plane flying over, and you see the bombs dropping and all the chaos and smoke, and but it, but that was the only way that um, someone could, I suppose, depict that scene to give you a visual representation of it was to to draw it as an illustration. And then obviously coming along with the camera and being able to combine several pictures together to create that same type of idea. And uh, and now look, it's, look, we just accept we accept a lot of the stuff we see is a is a montage of images put together and like you said it's a legitimate form of photography and like that's why both both areas are getting celebrated in the yeah, click awards for sure it's, it's it's great because capturing the decisive moment is for for a group of people the most important thing um, yes you know that that is what for some people photography is um and and that's fine that's great that um the, that people love capturing and celebrating a moment yes um, and in the same way it's great that some people like to to produce um artworks um that are something different to that yes and they're, they're both perfectly beautiful to look at exactly and and that's what i said and that's what we're doing we're celebrating both those those both those types of photographers and like i said some of those photographers are it's the same photographer yes just, for using, sure. just using those those different skills that they can they can muster up and use. Yeah, Darren, fantastic. Always, um, you know, talking about this Click Awards. We're really we're getting closer and closer to the fifteenth of um, November when it's going to actually entry is going to open. People can, like I said, uh, need to join the Canon Collective. So if you're not already a member of the Canon Collective, and go over and um, check it out. It's a Facebook group, and if you just search Canon Collective in Facebook, it will it'll pop up, and there's just a few questions you need to answer. One of the things I always I suppose one of the things we just remind people when you're entering the Canon Collective to get into the, all the information for the Click Awards is just enter all the um, questions. There's a few questions there. It does ask a question about what camera. You don't necessarily have to be shooting Canon, um, but we do need you to agree to the last question, which is you you agree to the terms and conditions and the and that. So um, yeah, just as kind of a bit of admin. You know, housekeeping to get you into the collective. Get you into the collective, yep. and once you're in there, once you're in the collective, there's a little search bar at the top, which is um, search within the group. If you type in click, C L I Q U E, as in click awards. If you type in click there, you'll get any references, any posts that have references to the click awards. So you'll be able to look back at a couple of other updates and yes, click tips and things that will um, help get you up to speed with. That's right. If you're just listening to this today and you say, oh, how do I go back and see all the, you know, how do I find this information? That's probably your best friend is that little search function within the group. Use that search function. Like you said, search on click. You'll better pull up all the posts relevant to the Click Awards 
And like I said, there's been a lot of video packages been put in there which help answer a lot of the questions. All right, Darren, look forward to our next catch-up. And, um, yeah, get in. hopefully you know, people will get in there and really enjoy learning uh, a bit about their own photography. Yeah, start looking through your pictures and, and selecting some pictures for the award. Excellent. Thanks, Darren. See you. Bye. That's all for this episode this week. Thanks for listening. If you have enjoyed the show, please leave us a comment. And don't forget to follow us on your favourite podcast app and social media sites. Remember, photography is a pursuit where there's always something new to learn. Safe and happy shooting, everyone.